Welcome to Daily Daf Different, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Shalom and welcome to Daily Daf Differently. This is Rabbi Michael Petkowski. Today we will be learning Masechet Rosh Hashanah, Daf 13, Yud Gimel. Today's Daf continues the discussion that began at the end of yesterday's Daf about the sabbatical year. The Gemara brought a halachai law that tithes are taken from grains, grapes, and olives when they have ripened one-third of the amount. The Gemara asks, What is the source for this law? How do we know that it is one-third of the amount that is the determining time? The answer given is that the source is from Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 10. Moses commanded them, Every seventh year in the scheduled year of remission, during the festival of booths, in the following verses, the Torah talks about the reading of the Torah and the mitzvah of Hakel, but let's go back and look at this pasuk. The Gemara asks, what does Sukkot have to do with Shemitah, the sabbatical year? The answer is that if during the sabbatical year and before Rosh Hashanah of the following year, the grain has ripened a third of the way, it is considered to have been grown during the sabbatical year and is forbidden during the eighth year, that is, the year after the sabbatical year. So if before Rosh Hashanah it has been determined that a grain has ripened a third of the way, even though at Rosh Hashanah the sabbatical year Shnata Shemitah has ended, since it has already ripened a third of the way, it is considered to have been grown during the sabbatical year. At the beginning of our daf, we find the following dialogue between two Amoraim. Rabbi Yermia said to Rabbi Zerah, were the rabbis indeed certain that a distinction could be made between that which had reached a third of its growth and that which had not reached a third of its growth, so that one could be assigned to one year of the cycle and another to a different year? Rabbi Yermia wanted to know how the rabbis could have been able to determine and tell the difference between something that had ripened a quarter of the way and something that had ripened a third of the way. Rabbi Zera answered him with the following. Lav amena lach, la tapek nafshach lavar mehilchata? Have I not told you not to place yourself outside of the established law? All measures established by the sages are comparable to this. Meaning, as the important commentator Rashi said, you shouldn't be doubting the measurements established by the sages. If there is going to be any attempt at quantifying an amount, it is inevitable that there is going to be a line in the sand which determines whether there is the proper amount or not. There are countless rabbinic measurements, shiurim, that are found in many areas of Jewish law, and Rabbi Zera's response is that we cannot undermine these measurements or doubt them. For example, the mikvah, the religious bath, is required to have a certain amount of water, of water, or ba'im se'ah, 40 se'ah, without which it is not considered a kosher ritual bath for reasons of purification. And on Passover, the rabbis determined that a certain amount of matzah had to be eaten in order to fulfill the mitzvah of eating matzah and so on. Rabbi Yermia responded to Rabbi Zera with a concession of defeat. Lav milta hi da'amri. 
Whatever I said is really nothing. That is, you're right. In order for the system to function, we have to believe that there are certain measurable amounts that the sages were able to determine. The example brought by Rabbi Yermia that illustrates the ability to determine whether something has ripened a third or not may prove his point, but as we'll see, it actually introduces another problem. Rabbi Yermia brings a tradition based upon a question that was asked of Rabbi Kahana by his students. The question was about the Omer, a sheaf offering that was brought in the temple. And here's the story. For the students asked Rav Kahana, as for the first sheaf of the Omer that the Israelites offered upon their entry into the land of Israel, where did they get it from? If you say that it grew in the possession of Gentile inhabitants of the land, this would be impossible, since the merciful one, in Leviticus 23.10, states, When you come into the land that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring to the priest the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest. This reference to your harvest means that the sheaf may not come from the harvest of Gentiles. The story continues. Rav Kahana said to them, All that had not reached a third of its growth in the possession of Gentiles was appropriate for the first sheaf. Produce that reached a third of its growth in Israelite hands was deemed Israelite grain and was used as the first sheaf. Here is Rabbi Yermia's takeaway from the story. But perhaps one should think that the grain had grown and it was not certain whether it had not reached a third of its growth in Gentile hands. This is not so. Since after Passover they ate the food of the land, they indeed were certain that what they had offered as the first sheaf had not reached a third of its growth in Gentile hands. Here too, in the case of the grain harvested at Tabernacles, they are certain of when the produce reached a third of its growth. Rebbe Yermia is now satisfied that it is somehow possible to determine whether something had ripened a third of the way, since if it was impossible to determine a third of the way, where would they have gotten the Omer offering when they came into the land of Israel after leaving Egypt? There was, they were not there to grow grain, and therefore something that had not ripened a third of the way in Gentile hands was then a qualified as an Omer offering. I think there is a lot of truth in the trust or assumption that Rabbi Yermia was willing to take. There are times when we have to trust that authorities are able to make certain determinations about issues and answer certain questions. While this does not mean that we have to follow them blindly in a Das Torah-like manner, it does mean that religious systems are often built upon certain assumptions. Sometimes these assumptions are modified or even done away with entirely, but it is very difficult not to have them at all. Thank you for listening to Daily Daf Differently. Lehit wrote and see you at the next Daf. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.